everybody, I just wanted to take a minute and thank you for listening to this podcast. Make sure you leave a like and a review on whatever podcast platform you're getting this from. Watch my daily radio shows live stream on rumble.com slash Casey the host. And I'm moving away from Facebook onto Telegram. So please follow me on Telegram at Casey the host. And of course, my website, which is a conservative news aggregator. You can get all of the best real news every single day, plus my daily show prep podcast videos and more, theburningtruth.us. And if you like knives, Kydex holsters, pepper spray, and hidden cameras, make sure you do your shopping at asdefense.com. Enjoy the show. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Got a lot to get to today. Want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Find them online at rbcarcompany.com. Cue my audio, please. So this is a, a Senate judiciary hearing today. This is about, okay, this is about the events of January 6th. Josh, let me ask you a question. How many times have you been arrested and gone to jail? Zero. You haven't even been arrested or charged with anything? Speeding ticket you contested in a court of law? You did contest it? You did not contest it. You paid the ticket like, like a stooge. Okay. So, <laughs> you're such a tool for the government. All right. So here's the deal. If you are going into a court of law or if you're going into a congressional hearing and you are there specifically to talk about one topic, do you or do you not read up on said topic before you give your testimony? You do, right? You do, okay? Everybody knows that. For you kidlets out there, you're going to be giving a class presentation of any kind in your classroom. You do the work or you know you're going to look like an idiot, right? You're going to get a failing grade. You're going to look like an idiot. You're not going to be able to explain what's going on, whether it's a book report, a science experiment, or what have you. Everybody knows this. So when you see what you are about to hear, because I can watch the video, you will hear the audio. But when you see this, you should know what's going on. This is at a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing today, okay? Today. There is the Department of Justice and there's the FBI there answering questions about the riot on January 6th. Okay? This is imperative. Their entire reason for being there is to talk about the specifics of January 6th. Right? Because there's a political witch hunt about January 6th. They've already investigated it, you know, criminally and everything else. But now there is this this witch hunt politically and there's still some people obviously left in the wings facing charges. Is important. By the way, January 6th was over a year ago. In case you didn't know, Josh, it was over a year ago. Some of them still haven't had a hearing or a trial. Most of them haven't had a trial. Over a year. Held. Held in jail. Many in solitary. For walking into the Capitol building, Josh. That kid who walked into the school and shot several people was out in 48 hours, right? Was it 24 hours? It might have been 24 hours. Because I think he was on the lam for a couple of days, right? As he was turning himself in. Just just for reference here, you had people who literally are facing no charges but trespassing still held. Some have been released. Some have been abused. There's some more abuse that's been discovered. The, uh, the marshal services released 
some of their uh, report today, which, of course, the Associated Press is a, is a conspiracy theory, in spite of an actual judge ordering the release of somebody who is being abused in, in detention. <laughs> but it's a conspiracy theory, according to the AP. So this is Senator Ted Cruz. Now, I know some of you are like, oh, Ted Cruz is trying to make up for him calling uh, these people terrorists and everything else. All right, whatever. The point of the of, of the the testimony and the questioning here is still valid. And just forget whatever you think about Ted Cruz. Forget about it for just a second. He's going to ask some very good, very basic questions that nobody should have any issue with. Okay? It's the response from the representative from the DOJ and the response from the representative of the FBI that I want you to pay attention to. This is today, about January 6th, the entire reason that these witnesses were there to provide testimony. Here it is. Mr. Olson, how many people have been charged with crimes of violence in connection with the events on January 6th? Good question. Senator, I'm not sure exactly how many uh, have been charged with oh. crimes of violence. I know okay. that there are many. Okay. How, how many have been charged with nonviolent crimes? Yeah, yeah. I don't have the numbers of people hmm. charged, whether at the state or federal level. I know that okay. there are. How many people are currently incarcerated concerning the events of January 6th? Seems like an easy question, right? It's been over a year. The number of people incarcerated. Again, I know that. I, I how do many have... pe- Okay, let me ask you that. Look, we have limited time, so I don't want you to filibuster. You either know the answer or you don't. How many people have been placed in solitary confinement concerning the events of January 6th? I don't have any information about mm. that, Senator. Mm. You know, Mr. Olson, I will say it was sad. Senator Lee just asked you about this. Back in June of 2021, Senator Lee and I and two other senators sent a letter to the Department of Justice asking mm-hmm. these questions, yep. asking about the differential prosecutions. Let me ask you, during 2020, Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots all across the country. There were over 700 police officers injured by Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots. How many people have been charged with crimes of violence concerning those riots all across the country? I don't have information mm. on how many. I, I would say this you know, is the Department of Justice, by the way. Charged as, as uh, Ms. Sandy. People you were would murdered say, but, but in those riots, know. too, by the way. You know, Just want to throw when that we out asked there. you why the Biden Department of Justice has such uh, wildly uh. disparate standards. Yeah. 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 Going after January 6th, targeting some people who committed crimes of violence and anyone who commits a crimes of, of violence should be prosecuted. Yep. But also targeting a lot of nonviolent individuals. True. We asked you, why is it? that you won't target the rioters and terrorists who firebomb cities across this country. The answer and we got tried to burn down federal buildings was shameful. On October 22nd, you came back and said, quote, the department has dedicated investigative and prosecutorial resources commensurate with the significance of these events. Oh, OK, commensurate with the significance. Of- now, here's the thing. Now, that's like over 200 days ago that they sent the request for this information that Ted Cruz is now asking the representative, Mr. Olson, from the Department of Justice about today. So he's had over 200 days to come up with an answer. He knew he was going to be here at this hearing to talk about it, and he still didn't have the basics of what has been discussed around this whole this whole topic. Now, of course, many of you might even be naive to believe that, well, he wouldn't know that. But for those of you who are not naive, you know that he's just not giving the answer because it doesn't look good. I would like to point out that Antifa, in particular, um, they attempted to burn down state and federal buildings, sometimes with people inside. People were murdered in those riots, which were peacefully protested, of course. Uh, But these are very good, very basic questions. 
Nothing that Ted Cruz has asked so far, we're not done. Nothing that Ted Cruz has asked so far is a gotcha. All basic questions that everybody's been asking. Of the people who you've arrested for January 6th, how many have been charged with a violent crime? There's a huge debate about how many of them were actually violent. That is a legitimate question. How many were charged with a nonviolent crime? How many have been put in solitary confinement? Because this is another source of contention that we get on a regular basis. There's lawsuits associated with that very specific question right now. These are all basic questions that the Department of Justice should know. And then when he doesn't answer it, Ted Cruz's position is, we sent you a letter asking for this information over 200 days ago, and you never gave us an answer then, and you're not giving us an answer now, so what are you hiding? Okay, it continues, because then he's going to finish his line of questioning here, and then he's going to move on to the representative from the FBI. You've got to hear this stuff. By significance, I guess it means the political benefit to the Biden White House. And I will tell you, there are a great many Americans who are understandably deeply concerned about the politicization of the Department of Justice under President Joe Biden. It has been 218 days since we sent you that letter. DOJ refused to answer the letter today when Senator Lee and I asked you about it. Your answer to every damn question is, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You're under oath. You may believe at the Department of Justice that you are unaccountable to the American people, but that is not the case, and the wildly disparate standards are unacceptable. Ms. Sandberg. Now he moves on to the FBI. I want to turn to the FBI. How many FBI agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th? Great question. Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics of mm. sources and methods. That means uh, many. Did any FBI did agents any FBI or agents confidential or informants confidential actively participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Sir, I can't, I can't answer that. That means yes. Did any FBI agents any or confidential FBI informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? 6th. I can't answer that, sir. That means Did yes. any FBI agents any F- or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? 6th. Sir, I can't answer that. Uh, that means Ms. yes. Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? Ooh. Ooh. All right, I'm going to pause it there. The echo that you're getting, by the way, is coming from her computer because she doesn't know how to use her own Zoom call. So anyway, this is <laughs> basic questions, okay? Basic questions. I'm going to go to the FBI. How many FBI assets were at the protest? I don't know. How how many of them committed acts of violence, or did they commit acts of violence? I don't know. I can't answer that. That's the that's only. I can't answer that. That that means yes, they were there. Yes, they committed acts of violence. Yes, they did this. Yes, they did that. Absolutely. Then he asks who Ray Epps is, which is what everybody wants to know. He's going to go into why, in case some of you are confused. In just a couple of minutes, I've got to obviously stay on my commercial schedule, but when we come back, we're going to get into Ted Cruz's line of questioning with the FBI about who Ray Epps is and why it is so important and why people are asking this question. I'm running into a bunch of people who have only tacitly been paying attention to this who don't understand why Ray Epps is such a big deal in this case. And we're going to explain that for everybody, just in case you don't know what's going on. And that's okay. I'm not admonishing you in any way. Uh, but we're going to explain it because Ray Epps is the most pivotal figure here in the entire January 6th saga. 
And the fact that we keep having to ask, like John Galt, where is Ray Epps? Who is Ray Epps? This is very, very important stuff. So we'll get into why that's important, and we'll also get into Senator Cruz's line of questioning with the FBI on who is this guy and why aren't you interested in him and why that is important. All of that coming up on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Who is Ray Epps? I've just had a request from the Discord server on my live stream at rumble.com slash Casey the host. They have uh, requested that I start making Ray Epps, who is Ray Epps, stickers. Which, of course, I, I have a sticker machine. I can do that. So if you all want me to do that, I am happy to do that. Start doling those bad boys out. All right, so Ted Cruz today in a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing talking to the Department of Justice and the FBI about various January 6th events. And again, if you're the representative from the DOJ and you're going to talk about January 6th, you should probably be able to answer some of the basic questions that Senator Cruz asked about January, excuse me, January 6th, and they answered zero. Mr. Olson answered zero of those questions. So now he's moved on to the representative from the FBI. And Ted Cruz, for those of you who missed the first segment, Ted Cruz asked, uh, were any federal agents or or informants a part of the January 6th protest? I, I can't answer that. Uh, were any FBI agents involved in the storming of the Capitol or any violence or anything like that? I can't answer any of those things. And then he asked, who is Ray Epps? Now, while I have gone over Ray Epps on this show, I realize that most of you are not listening all the time every single day. Maybe you missed it. Maybe you don't know who Ray Epps is. Maybe some of you are just tuning in because you're starting to realize there's something to this story and you want to know what's going on. And if you've never heard the name Ray Epps, it is extremely important. The most important figure in the January 6th riot. So Ted Cruz left off in the last segment, who is Ray Epps? And the FBI representative said, I've heard the name, but I don't know his background. Now, this is important because Ted Cruz goes into why this is important and who Ray Epps may very well be. Here's the uh, the committee hearing. I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh I don't have the specific background to him. Well, there are a lot well, of people who are understandably very concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered. And there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow, we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, fed, 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 fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a Fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. The next day. That means yes. All right, so here's the video. We're going we're gonna to now leave. We're going to go to the video that Senator Cruz just referred to. This is Ray Epps the night before. This is on January 5th, trying to convince the crowd of people to storm the Capitol. And the crowd of people going, no. <laughs> and then calling him out for being a Fed. Listen to this. We go to jail for tomorrow. We need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. What? No! Peacefully. Fed, 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 fed. All right. They knew who he was the night before. They knew who he was. Now, now we go back to Senator Cruz today 
once again addressing the FBI. Well, the night before, he's trying to convince people to go in there. Now, we've got this guy on camera multiple times encouraging people to go into the Capitol. Why is the FBI not interested in arresting him? That's the question. So here's the line of questioning. It continues. The next day, on January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? It's a great question. Sir, similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. Mm, that means yes. Shortly thereafter, the FBI put out a public post Mm -hmm. listing seeking information on individuals connected with violent crimes on January 6th. Among those individuals in the bottom there is Mr. Epps. The FBI publicly asked for information, identifying, offering cash rewards leading to information, leading to, for information leading to the arrest. This was posted and then sometime later, magically, Mr. Epps disappeared from the public posting. According mm -hmm. to public records, Mr. Epps has not been charged with anything. No one's explained why a person videoed urging people to go to the Capitol, a person whose conduct was so suspect the crowd believed he was a Fed, would magically disappear from the list of people the FBI was looking at. Ms. Sanborn, a lot of Americans are concerned. All right, so line of questioning goes on. Eventually, she says, I, I don't think that, uh, to my knowledge, uh, no FBI agent uh, participated in any of that. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, everybody knows who Ray Epps is. They know where to find him. In fact, some reporters have found the guy on golf courses for crying out loud. So it's not like he's just vanished and they can't find him to file charges. So we've got the guy on camera multiple times encouraging people to breach the Capitol. We've got the guy on camera whispering to somebody's in somebody's ear. Five seconds after that, that person starts tearing down the, uh, the barricades. And he's... He's not being pursued by the FBI in any way, shape, or form. Now, why wouldn't they be pursuing the guy that they have all the physical evidence on, Josh, that, that might have instigated the entire Capitol riot? Why would, why would the FBI not pursue that guy, Josh? Could it be that he was one of their own? By the way, his, uh, his Trump hat, brand new and crisp. The individuals that he talks to right before the barricade gets torn down, their Trump hats are brand new and crisp. Not well-worn, like many Trump hats are. Very interesting. Almost like they were purchased specifically for that event right before the event, Josh. Could be. MNC News Time is 3.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Hope you all had a good weekend. I'm not counting yesterday. You know what? I just didn't like yesterday's show. I didn't even post it, Josh. Didn't even post it as a podcast. I just didn't like it. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, yeah, content was okay. But you just like, you start off and things get a little weird. And so you don't ever get in the groove right away. And it just doesn't feel right. So I didn't even I didn't post the podcast. Maybe I'll post a segment or two from the show. But when I say that, I usually don't do it. So just don't expect it. Today will be podcast. I feel good about today, Josh. Feel good about today. That was, a, that was a solid opening segment. I mean, there are some people saying that my show needs to be national. Hey, um, I'm not saying anything. 
All right, Josh, don't tell anybody. I'm not saying anything. Uh, but for those of you who think this show needs to be national, <clears throat> soon. All right, so that's that's all I'm saying. All right, what else do we got here? <laughs> Oh, man. I, I'm going to circle back like Saki to uh, January 6th later on. I'm not going to do it now. I could. I could spend this entire hour on January 6th. I'm not going to. Liz Cheney is beclowned herself in an even more epic way. Uh, let's talk about American Airlines since I'm about ready to get on a plane and fly across the country. Why is it that every time I'm about ready to get on a plane and fly across the country, Josh, I have this horrible story about airplane, airplanes? Every single time. So a pilot with American Airlines had the audacity to do something. You seen the story? You know what I'm talking about? The only reason I'm talking to Josh is because he's really trying to get work done, and I don't want him to. For, for those of you who are wondering, like, why are you talking to him? He never talks to us. It's because he's trying to get all of his work for tomorrow morning done right now instead of paying attention to me, and it, and it hurts my ego. <laughs> I get ignored enough by all of the women at home. I don't need to be ignored by the one guy I get to hang out with on a regular basis, okay? Is it, this is bro code stuff for crying out loud. Pay attention to me. All right, so anyway, uh, American Airlines, okay? <laughs> one of the pilots had the audacity of having a Let's Go Brandon patch on one of his luggage pieces. You know, because pilots carry their, their suitcase with them. And so he had a Let's Go Brandon, uh, like, little tag on his luggage. And somebody saw it, took a picture of the guy, and then contacted the airlines. How, how small is your wang that you have to contact the airlines and try and get a pilot fired because they have a Let's Go Brandon patch on their luggage, their personal luggage? How sexually inadequate do you have to feel to make that phone call? I mean, that's that's even worse than the people who walk up to people with uh, Make America Great Again hats and, and tear the hat off of their head, which shockingly large number of them happen to be white people taking the hat off of black people. I <laughs> <laughs> you are a special kind of depressed if this is your life. Now, here's where things get quite interesting. American Airlines has now said that they are going to launch an internal investigation. And some of this could just be American Airlines like, okay, shut up, people. Yeah, we'll investigate it, whatever, and hoping it disappears. Okay, that's where some of it could go. But somebody took a picture of this pilot, took a picture of the Let's Go Brandon patch on his personal luggage. And then posted online and then contacted the American Airlines company headquarters and said, I want this guy fired. Wow. Wow. You just know that person, man or woman, is getting cheated on. You just know it. You know it. Uh, the complaining passenger was flying from St. Lucia in the Eastern Caribbean to Miami when she saw the patch. Of course, it's a Karen, which carried a slogan that become has become a kind of an open code for bashing uh, Joe Biden. Everybody knows that. Uh, she complained to the airline via Twitter, getting what can only be described as a cowardly response that infuriated conservatives. All right, so anyway, so she tweets out, she's a pasty white uh, white young lady, by the way. And <laughs> so 
This is what I was talking about yesterday. Even though I felt like the first segment was valuable information, Josh, I didn't feel like I presented it very well. That's why I didn't post it. Um, remember what I was talking about with this whole, like, you know, look at me, look at me, look at me society. Like, everybody's, everybody's trying to get attention for people that don't matter, don't mean anything to them, right? This lady, do you think when she went to Twitter and she tagged American Airlines about this, did a bunch of hashtags and stuff like that, you think she was actually just trying to better everybody's flying experience? Do you think she was trying to get a bunch of followers? Which one do you think? Went, yeah, that's right, followers. She was trying to get a bunch of followers. If I had to guess, she probably updated her profile picture on Twitter, did the makeup, the photo shoot, made sure that she got like 150 poses so it looked right, so that way her 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 featured image, her avatar on Twitter would look nice when people hopped on there. So she has uh, she has now made her tweets private because it backfired on her. Josh turns out that people don't like snooty little narks, but she's uh, she's a sorority and fraternity professional. What the heck does that mean? What is a sorority and fraternity professional? You're a youngling. What does that mean? A sorority and fraternity professional? What is that? Does that? Here's okay. As somebody who's never been in a frat, you know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like she professionally makes herself available to those parties. That's what it sounds like to me. You're a sorority and fraternity professional? Do sororities and fraternities have budgets to hire party planners? Or do they just have groupies? Because that's kind of what she's presenting herself as, if you ask me. Anyway... Um, she also, uh, talks about, uh, she's passionate about reality television and feminism. So there, there you go. That's that, that really tells you everything you need to know about this lady. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, uh, American Airlines says that we take this very seriously and have sent this over to crew leadership. They will handle this internally after review. Now, a bunch of people are like, oh, that is so cowardly. How dare you American Airlines? To me, that sounds like American Airlines. Okay, Karen, go away. <laughs> That, that's what it sounds like to me, okay? If this guy ends up getting fired or something, then then we'll revisit it. But to me, it didn't sound all that egregious. It sounded, they should not have addressed it. They should have left it left it alone. But um, it didn't sound that egregious to me. Now, here's why this is so important. Because American Airlines had an active policy of promoting and allowing their employees to wear Black Lives Matter merchandise. So now you're allowed to wear Black Lives Matter merch if you're an employee of American Airlines. But if you have Let's Go Brandon tags on your luggage, your job might be in jeopardy. How does that work? And it doesn't. I mean, that's bizarro world type stuff. And you you think that this is the most egregious BLM story involving BLM merch that we have out there. No, because... Right up the road, we've got a Whole Foods. Whole Foods is in the middle of a major legal battle here. We're going to talk about that coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Whole Foods. Whole Foods in the middle of a legal battle that you probably don't care about, but maybe should. They are arguing that they have a constitutional right, 
to ban their employees from wearing Black Lives Matter masks. And they do. I, I don't know when this notion that you get to wear whatever you want, whenever you want, because of the Constitution has ever been a thing. Uh, but it is decidedly showed up. It really kind of showed up with the kneeling stuff that happened. You did see it in small pockets, mostly with uh, divorcee moms who wanted their daughters to be able to not wear much clothing going to high school. And so they supported them because they wanted to be their daughter's best friend in the world. And really, it's it, those are sporadic cases, though. Now we're at a point where people are just like, I am a human being, therefore the Constitution applies to me all the time, and I can wear whatever I want, free speech, free speech, free speech. And this really got going with the whole kneeling in the NFL. And you do not have those constitutional rights while you're at work. That is not how that works. Uh, Of course, Second Amendment people have made the case that they have a Second Amendment right while they're at work. But again, private property rights are a factor here that you have to consider. Um, Now, with that said, uh, will I tell you to disarm yourself because it is your company's policy not to be armed? No, because what they don't know won't hurt them. Am I officially telling you to, to break the rules? Yep. Does it affect me at all? No. Good luck with that. (laughs) <laughs> you know, what's the old uh, saying? I'd rather be uh, judged by 12 than, uh, or uh, was it judged by 12 than carried by six? I think it is. So anyway, Whole Foods says that it has the constitutional right to ban its employees from wearing Black Lives Matter masks while on the job. And of course, they do. The business says that a federal labor board will effectively violate the First Amendment if it attempts to force the company to allow polarizing messages on employee masks. Now, for the record, they're not just saying Black Lives Matter merch. Like, you can't have Black Lives Matter masks. They don't want any of the controversial stuff on there at all. Because I know that this is a shocking concept to many people. Some companies just want you to want to go to the company because they have the stuff that you want to buy at a price you want to pay. And they don't want, they don't want to judge you in any way. They don't want to lecture you in any way. They don't want to force a political message on you in any way. They just want to provide a good or service that you want to buy. That's all they want to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. So the National Labor Relations Board, which is a communist entity in of itself, uh, the general counsel there, Jennifer Abruzzo, filed a complaint in November that the company infringed on federal law by enforcing a workplace dress code that banned Black Lives Matter masks. And of course, Jennifer Abruzzo is a monumental idiot. It is a dress code. There's always been a dress code, and you will never find them go to bat against uniforms at any manufacturing facility like this. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget, you can watch the live stream, rumble.com slash Casey the host. You can also follow me on Telegram and Getter at Casey the host. And we are how many days away now? Hold on a second. I got I got a counter on my website because uh, Truth Social, the launch date has been announced. If you go to the burningtruth.us on the homepage, I have a countdown to when Truth Social goes live. 40 days and 21 hours. Truth Social, that is President Trump's 
uh, social media network that he is launching. It goes live on President's Day because nobody does marketing like that guy. That's <laughs> that's just all there is to it. 40 days and 21 hours. Um, I, like many of you, have uh, applied for uh, for an account there. We'll wait and see how that all shakes out. I don't know if it actually means anything uh, when you fill out that little form, but we'll see. All right, uh, so I want to go ahead and Biden is going to be talking here about the filibuster and and voting rights and all of that nonsense where he'll say a bunch of things that are not true. So I figured I would preempt it with some memory lane stuff. I love playing these montages because a lot of people, just because of the nature of what you do, uh, they're skeptical. They don't want to believe you. They want to assume that you're not telling the truth just because of who you are. You know, like uh, all of the the people in the audience who didn't agree with me about vaccines and masks and all of that stuff over the past uh, two years and now are forced to admit that I am right. By the way, still waiting for the apologies. Josh, have you received any of those apologies? You haven't got, I haven't had any of my email either. It's strange. Nobody has contacted me to apologize. I wonder why that is. Hmm. I don't know. Is there a boxed wine shortage? Is that why they don't have their liquid courage to call up and and actually apologize for being so very wrong about everything? All right. So anyway, let's let's uh, deal with the filibuster. And you know, if you have Dana Bash defending Republicans, you're probably barking up the wrong tree, because well, you are. And and Dana Bash is defending Republicans, and she's a hundred percent right. Now, let this be a lesson to It's Not News at CNN. It is okay uh, to admit when the side that you politically disagree with is correct, and she has done that. Uh, so she said, McCarthy is right. Democrats changed the standard to majority, deciding who can be on committees. Absolutely. So we'll get into the committee assignments here, because this kind of dovetails off of what we're dealing with with the filibuster. Now, the Democrats that are running around talking about um, getting rid of the filibuster and everything else right now, Chuck Schumer and all of that on Sunday. He wrote an op-ed, which was, um, according to Breitbart, seeking to destroy election integrity by terminating the 60-vote filibuster threshold. But again, what's important here is, as Democrats have power, what they do is they go out there and they say, we need to get rid of the filibuster. This is the Harry Reid school of politicking. When we're in power... We take away every tool that we were able to use when we weren't in power. So now that we're we're in power, we take away all the tools of the minority and we can just railroad whatever we want through. Just ram it right through and there's nothing the minority can do about it. Elections have consequences where the majority deal with it, right? That's uh, the Harry Reid strategy. It's the Obama philosophy. I won. Get over it. Do what I want. So that's not how government is supposed to work. As we have highlighted before, government is supposed to work slow. Congress is supposed to be a slow process. It's not supposed to be fast. When we're passing legislation, it's not supposed to be a quick, easy thing. It is supposed to be difficult. That is how the system is designed. And what has happened now is this gridlock, if you will, has been used as a a politicking tool uh, to highlight, you know, uh, dissent, obstructionism, that sort of thing. But really, it's just how the system was designed to work. So whoever was in power didn't get to run roughshod over who was in the minority. The minority still had rights. And you had to make a compelling case, and you had to get people on the other side to agree. And that's why 
it, we for so long, our legislative process was so much better because people on both sides had to kind of agree that what we were doing was sort of the right thing. And now that just doesn't happen. And again, this is that newer Harry Reid stratagem of, of just, you know, when we're in power, we take away the rights of the minority. And then when we're out of power, we try to get the rights back and say that the other side is abusing their authority and denying rights to the minority. So Chuck Schumer pens this op-ed. He wants to get rid of the filibuster. Um, Joe Biden has talked about getting rid of the filibuster. Other people have talked about getting rid of the filibuster. Now, I want to play you a soundbite here, which is going to have, in this soundbite, is going to have Chuck Schumer, Cory Booker, Chris Coons, Dick Durbin, Joe Biden, Bob Mendez, and others, uh, Mark Warner, as well as a few others that are in there. And it is them talking about how terrible it would be to get rid of the filibuster. Of course, they weren't in power at the time. So getting rid of the filibuster when you're the minority is a horrible thing to do. But when you're the majority, you want to get rid of the filibuster. Here's the Democrats. They want to make this country into a banana republic where if you don't get your way, you change the rules. The legislative filibuster should stay there. And I, I, I will personally uh, resist efforts to get rid of it. I'm committed to never voting to change the legislative filibuster. That would be the end of the Senate. It raises problems that are more damaging than the problem that exists. You cannot change the rules in the middle of the game because you do not like the outcome. You're going to throw the entire Congress into chaos and nothing will get done. Change the rules in midstream to wash away 200 years of history. Nothing at all will get done. I don't think that we ought to be coming in willy-nilly and... and uh, changing the rules. You can't change the rules in the middle of the game. Ideologues in the Senate want to turn what the founding fathers called the cooling saucer of democracy into the rubber stamp of dictatorship. If you don't have 60 votes yet, it just means you haven't done enough advocacy and you need to work a lot harder. It's ultimately an example of the arrogance of power. Partisan power grab that will stomp on the rights of the minority and leave Congress fundamentally changed for the worse. Preserve checks and balances so that no one party can do whatever it wants. It'll be a doomsday for democracy. The one most important rule that requires compromise, requires working across the aisle. It is a fundamental power grab. Will not stand by when a party drunk with power tries to overturn 200 years of precedent. Ending the filibuster is a very dangerous thing to do. All right. Now, for the record, they're all right. The filibuster is a tool in there. It is supposed to be used in a very specific way. Uh, yes, various Congresses with the with the uh, the majority try to get rid of it. Various Congresses with the majority, both parties, uh, try to tweak those rules and get around the filibuster. Yes, that does happen. But at the end of the day, the filibuster is supposed to stay there. Okay. And I've been consistent about this my entire career. If you go back, you'll get the record. You will see that. You will also see the vast majority of Republicans are consistent about it as well. Uh, you will find occasionally that there is some some striving to abuse that. But this is another example of the two things that have destroyed our, our political system in the modern era. Uh, there's actually a third thing, and that was when we made the Senate popular vote instead of being appointed. But I digress. When you get to the two things that have really ruined our political system, remember, rule one of those things. We went over this uh, not that long ago. In fact, I uploaded the video at Rumble. I think when I was just back from vacation, so last Tuesday. So if you go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host, it, it is up there. If you want to watch it, it should be on YouTube and it should be on Odyssey as well. Maybe even Facebook. Um, so you go there and you take a look at the two things that have really ruined our modern political system. One, Newt Gingrich implementing this 
fundraise, you know, 365 days out of the year, every single month, and that sort of thing, not just in campaign season. That is a major issue that has impacted negatively our election system. But the other thing is, oppose the other side at all costs. And that came from Harry Reid in his war room. So even if we support an idea and have traditionally stood for this particular policy position, the moment we are not in power and the other side is pushing the policy position that we have always supported, we can no longer support it because it would be giving them a win. And we can never give them a win. Many examples include Democrats have supported a border wall for a very long period of time. All of a sudden, they don't support a border wall, and a border wall is super, super racist. Uh, Democrats, once again, talking about the filibuster, have traditionally opposed getting rid of the filibuster, yet the Democrats right now, the exact same Democrats, are promoting getting rid of the filibuster because they want to ram things through. I didn't use the word dictator, Josh. Chuck Schumer did. I didn't use the words banana republic. Chuck Schumer did. And he's not wrong. He's wrong now. He's wrong in the op-ed he wrote over the weekend. But he's not wrong in the video that I just played for you. Uh, Kristen Gillibrand is in there. and She's like, look, if you don't have 60 votes, you haven't done enough lobbying. She's right. She's absolutely 100% right. Now, if you talk with some of these politicians, they will say, well, you took away our ability to lobby because, you know, pork barrel spending has been reduced. And that was one of the ways that we used to lobby. You got a very unpopular piece of legislation. So what we're going to do is we're going to go over to so-and-so. I I always use the example of the, uh, is it Vermont where you get all the maple syrup from? Because I think there was a point in time where like Bernie Sanders offered like a ton of money for maple syrup trees or some nonsense. This is an old, old story. So I'm drawing from memory and I apologize if I get the details wrong. And it was the only way to get him to support a very unpopular piece of legislation, but they needed him, his vote to get it over the hump, right? So you start offering just massive quantities of cash to, to people who don't like the legislation, but then at least they can go back to their constituents and say, I got you $3 million in maple syrup funds. You know, that sort of thing. And, well, you're laughing. It sounds ridiculous, but right to the state, maple syrup is a major commodity. It's a big product that they export, they manufacture, it's a lot of jobs, big part of their economy. Uh, Here would be corn, corn subsidies. They show up in the farm bill all the time. All the time. Why do you think there's so many corn subsidies that come to Indiana? Why do you think? It's because they're paying people off. But that has been reduced in recent years. So a lot of these politicians will say, well, yeah, we can't do that negotiating anymore because a lot of the pork barrel spending has been taken away and we don't have the tools that we used to have. So you have to give us those tools back and then we might be able to, to, uh, to actually do this lobbying. The problem is, is that when you, when you had the pork barrel spending, that was a massive government abuse, led to runaway spending, caused a whole host of problems. And that tool was rightfully somewhat throttled, okay? It's not gone, but it's been somewhat throttled, thank God. It still needs to be worked on a lot more. And as a result, we've been able to help in some respects on that. But it has taken away a tool for some politicians to be able to get over that filibuster-proof majority. And now they want to get rid of the filibuster because they don't have these other tools at their disposal to get over that hump anymore. And it's very difficult to get over that hump because we're a very divided country. It is hard to get a supermajority, even though it has happened a couple of times in recent memory, it is still very difficult. 
So as we bring this up, friendly reminder, because Biden's talking right now. He's talking about the filibuster. I don't know what he's saying. I don't care what he is saying. Uh, it's Joe Biden. He's not going to remember what he said the moment he gets off of that stage. But the reason I'm bringing this up is I wanted to get ahead of it. wanted to remind you of all of these prominent Democrats who are still out there today, still in Congress, still telling everybody, or well, not still, but now telling everybody we need to get rid of the filibuster because it's the only way to get anything done because those darn obstructionist Republicans. And they're the same people who told you it would be a banana republic and a dictatorship if you got rid of the filibuster just a couple years ago. Friendly reminder, okay? So it doesn't matter what Joe Biden says today. Maybe he'll defend the filibuster, but he hasn't throughout the campaign. So I, I his campaign and then his first year in office, so I doubt that he will. But it is important that you remember that they're changing their mind, and they're changing their mind not because of principle, but simply because they want to push their agenda through and they want to run roughshod over the minority. And they know that they are not going to have the majority for long. And I'm not saying that because I'm optimistic the Republicans are going to win. I am saying that because of an announcement that happened today, which further proves the point. The Democrats are in big, big electoral trouble. And that's why the Dana Bash situation about getting rid of committee assignments and what McCarthy said about Schiff and others, why that is so important. We're going to get into that next right here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. All right, so now here's where things get really interesting about the election. This is why this is all kind of tied together. The Democrats are desperately trying to get rid of the filibuster because the Democrats know they are in huge electoral trouble. So earlier today, there was a news article on Breitbart that, uh, as Biden is speaking right now about this, Biden to denounce Republican voting integrity laws as domestic enemies of democracy. So if the media, which intentionally lies to the American people and is demonstrably so lying to the American people, if you can't say that they're the enemy of the American people when they do that, uh, what does it mean when you turn around and say voter integrity laws are the enemy of democracy? Catch the, uh, the hypocrisy there. Now, Dana Bash, she was talking about McCarthy. McCarthy basically came out and he says, like, look, here's the deal. I am going to remove a bunch of Democrats from their committee assignments. Schiff is going to be gone from the Intelligence Committee. I'm going to pull Ilhan Omar off of committee. I am going to pull Swalwell off of committee. I'm going to get all of these Democrats that are compromised. They're going to be pulled off of their committee assignments. They will not have those posts and those jobs anymore. And the Democrats are collectively losing their minds. And even CNN's Dana Bash, she had to come out and go, hey, hold on a second. McCarthy is right. Democrats are the ones who decided this. And did I or did I not? I say this all the time. But I always tell you, when the Democrats change the rules, and it is almost always the Democrats who initiate a rule change, when the Democrats change the rules to benefit them, the Republicans will use it against them, and the Democrats will cry foul every single time. So I always issue the warning. Democrats, when you change the rules here, you have to remember you're not going to be in power forever. Republicans will gain power again. And they will use these same rule changes against you. And that is exactly what Republicans have been doing going all the way back to the George W. Bush era. So Dana Bash had to remind everybody that minority leader Kevin McCarthy is a Republican from the People's Republic of California. I'm not a big McCarthy fan, but he's honcho there. 
He's right. Democrats changed the standard practice in Congress to the majority telling the minority who can actually serve on committees. She's right. That happened. We told you it was going to come back and bite Democrats in the backside, and that's exactly what's happening. So all of those people who don't belong on these committee assignments, Swalwell, Schiff, Ilhan Omar, they should be pulled from their committee assignments. McCarthy has said, when we take back Congress, we will remove them from their posts. Now, why is this looking more and more like it is going to happen? Because Democrat of Colorado, Ed Polmuter, has now said that he is also going to retire. You know what that makes him, Josh? The 26th Democrat to say that they're not running for re-election. When you have that many people leaving Congress, Republicans found this out not that long ago, when you have that many people retiring, it usually bodes very well for the other party. So it doesn't look good for Dems right now. MNC News Time is 4.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. You cue my audio, please. I'm going to play a longer piece of audio here. I'm going to play um, Project Veritas. Project Veritas had uh, some confirmation on some Fauci documents that got released, some DARPA documents, which we already knew about. We've talked about on the show before, but this is now further confirmation that what we were telling you is true. And that is the NIH, Dr. Fauci, EcoHealth Alliance were, in fact, working with the Wuhan lab to do gain-of-function research, which Fauci has testified under oath before Congress. He did not participate in. We already knew that he was, he was lying about that. But now we've got official government documents proving that. So I want to make that crystal clear. And this is a this is a, obviously a major break. This is a huge story. I want to play just a, a bit of the the Project Veritas story for you. And in the Daily Show prep today, we will link to these federal documents for you, so you can go read them yourself. And you know that they're they're accurate and they're true and they're real government documents. So anyway, here's the Project Veritas report. Project Veritas has obtained never before seen military documents regarding the origins of COVID nineteen gain-of-function research, vaccines, potential treatments which have been suppressed, and the government's effort to conceal all of this. Dr. Anthony Fauci has testified many times before Congress stating that the U.S. government was never involved in gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Will you today finally take some responsibility for funding gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator, with all due respect, I disagree with so many of the things that you've said. Gain, first of all, gain of function is a very nebulous term. But That's, the thing uh, is, is you're still unwilling to admit that they gained in function when they say they became sicker. They gained in right. lethality. It's a right. new virus. That's not gain of function? According to the definition that is currently <laughs> operable. We're not going to get anywhere right. close to trying to prevent another lab leak of this dangerous sort of experiment. You won't admit that it's dangerous, and for that lack of judgment, I think it's time that you resign. You have said that I am unwilling to take any responsibility for the current pandemic. I have no responsibility for the current pandemic. That assertion is based on the NIH's definition of gain of function. However, the documents we've obtained refute that. The documents in question stem from a report at the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency better known as DARPA, which were hidden in a top-secret share drive. But what is DARPA? They are an agency under the U.S. Department of Defense, which facilitates research and technology with potential military applications. 
Dr. Stephen Walker was the director of DARPA at the time of the EcoHealth Alliance proposal. A source sent us this video of Dr. Walker talking about research they were exploring related to mRNA technology and its potential application with military personnel in the field. DARPA, about five or six years ago, we stood up an office called uh, the Biotechnology Office. And the real purpose of that was to understand how biology worked and then build design, uh, design build and test cycles where you could um, engineer microorganisms to do things that you want to do. Though the main report regarding the EcoHealth Alliance proposal leaked on the internet a couple of months ago, it has remained unverified until now. Project Veritas has obtained a separate report to the Inspector General of the Department of Defense, written by the U.S. Marine Corps Major Joseph Murphy, a former DARPA fellow. Major Murphy makes claims in his report to the Inspector General that, if true, could be damning to the official narrative that has been played out to the world over the past two years. Major Murphy's report states that EcoHealth Alliance approached DARPA in March 2018 seeking funding to conduct gain-of-function research of bat-borne coronaviruses. The proposal was named Project Diffuse. DARPA rejected the proposal because the work was too dangerous and could violate the gain-of-function moratorium, despite EcoHealth's position that it would not. According to the documents, the NIAID, under the direction of Dr. Fauci, did not reject the proposal. They went ahead with the research at Wuhan and several sites across the U.S. Dr. Fauci has repeatedly maintained his position, under oath, that the NIH and NIAID have not been involved in gain-of-function research with the EcoHealth Alliance program. This appears to be contradictory to Major Murphy's analysis and the rejection from the Biological Technologies Office at DARPA. Major Murphy's report goes on to detail great concern over the COVID-19 gain-of-function program, the concealment of documents, the suppression of potential curatives like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, and the mRNA vaccines. To be clear, Major Murphy is not the source of our reporting. As far as we're aware, he has done nothing that violates his oath of service to our country. We were able to track him down, and though he couldn't go into detail about the hidden documents, he did offer this heartfelt statement. I offer no comments on the investigation or internal Marine Corps deliberations. I offer a brief comment to those that desire answers and to those that withhold them. To those seeking answers, I offer encouragement. There are good people striving for the truth, working together in and out of government, and they succeed. To those that withhold, I pray for you. Find the moral courage to come forward. Don't let a lie be our legacy to posterity. People will forgive. A commitment to truth is in the heart of this nation. Semper Fi. Project Veritas reached out to DARPA for comment regarding the hidden documents and spoke with the Chief of Communications, Jared Adams. It doesn't sound normal to me, no. Like I said, if, it, if something resides in a classified setting, then it should be appropriately marked. I'm not at all familiar with unmarked documents that reside in a classified, in a classified space, no. Um, that, like I said, that doesn't, doesn't sound like, I mean, it's, it's not good practice to put unmarked materials in um, you know, in a, in a classified space, but there may be, there may be cause to because um, something is determined to be classified, um, but it wasn't, you know, originally marked appropriately. I'd be happy, Robert, honestly, to investigate and, you know, talk to the people who would own this document within the agency, ideally the, you know, the director of our biological technologies office. Okay. So 
what's important here is, look, we've already had documents, government documents that showcase that DARPA was approached by EcoHealth Alliance about doing gain-of-function research with bat coronaviruses, like COVID-19. It's a bat coronavirus. And DARPA evaluated this, which you've already known because we've covered this before. DARPA evaluated this, and DARPA said, this is too dangerous. We don't want any part of it. Oh, and in addition to its danger... Considering everything else that DARPA has done, for DARPA to be concerned about the the risk and the danger in this proposal tells you how dangerous it really was. But beyond that, DARPA made the decision that this would potentially and logically violate the moratorium on gain-of-function research that the federal government had, had now put a moratorium on. So what EcoHealth Alliance then did is they went to Dr. Fauci and the NIH, and Dr. Fauci and the NIH said, we'll get the Chinese to do it. And then we won't be violating gain of function. And they changed the definition of what gain of function was. For those of you who don't remember, there was a definition change of what gain of function was. And so the definition got changed, and that's the narrow little definition that Fauci has been able to kind of wiggle out of when he gives this this testimony before Congress, uh, Senator Paul is correct. This is gain of function by any definition standard that has always been applied to gain of function research. And that's why DARPA rejected it. They rejected it because of the danger. They rejected it because of the gain of function part. But the big thing is what Major Joseph Murray, who's a former fellow at DARPA, what some of the things that he said about mRNA technology, as well as other options for treatment, and then, of course, his letter that he wrote to people seeking the truth. Those are critical. We'll talk a little bit more about that coming up on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Now, just real quick, because we're almost out of time, these government documents here, that Project Veritas has been able to uncover, which verified earlier unverified emails. <clears throat> SARS-CoV-2, COVID, is an American-created recombinant bat vaccine or its precursor virus. It was created by an EcoHealth Alliance program at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, as suggested by the reporting surrounding the lab leak hypothesis. The details of this program have been concealed since the pandemic began. Okay. So, again, government documents saying COVID is an American-made bat coronavirus. They go on to talk about the mRNA technology not being uh, very effective. The gene-encoded or mRNA vaccines work poorly because they are synthetic replications of the already synthetic SARS-CoV-WIV synthetic spike proteins and possess no other uh, epitomies. So... They go into ivermectin. Ivermectin, identified as curative in April of 2020, works throughout all phases of illness because it both inhibits viral replication and modulates the immune response. These are government documents now. So now you have to ask yourself, why is it that the people responsible for funding this, the people responsible for um, then pushing what treatments were allowed, what treatments were not allowed, pushing for vaccines, which mRNA vaccines up until now had a very sketchy past. Suddenly, they're the savior of all humankind. I've, I've gone over the, the previous mRNA research just a couple of years ago before COVID. They were seen as, as having potential 
but not being very effective at treating a lot of stuff. And now we've got government documents saying that this is the case. Uh huh. And more coming up 95.3 MNC. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company? Locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Do have some people making an inquiry about something that I said earlier. Casey, did you say that you were being syndicated? There is a second show that is launching. It will launch in February. Uh, it was supposed to launch in well, I was hoping to launch it last year. That didn't happen for various reasons. Uh, and then I was looking to launch it here in January, but I have to take a trip here. So I know that I just got back from vacation. I apologize. But again, relocating uh, my mom to move here. And so part of that is going back uh, to Vegas and taking care of everything and making sure that she's settled there and can get up here. So I'm going to be going back here uh, in a couple of weeks to help her with that. And then she'll be here permanently. And then we will be able to go into the second show. Um, the the studio space upstairs is nearly done. They just have to hardwire some internet in there, and that will happen. We do have some some stations that are sniffing around about picking up the second show as a syndicated program. Uh, of course, we know that Coffee with Casey, Fake News Flash will be coming back this year as well. Those are syndicated features. So, yes, there are some syndication efforts that are happening this year. What they're going to look like or how successful they'll be, I don't know. Uh, but uh, it is there is a push for that. Now, it won't be this show. It'll be a second show that I do earlier in the day from 10 to 12. And if you follow me on Rumble, you'll be able to access that show that way. There's going to be a whole rebranding that is happening with a new website and everything else that is coming here very, very shortly. So uh, just have to get all of this stuff squared away in January, and then I'll be able to focus my efforts on that and redirect funds and that sort of thing. So stay tuned. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, sign up for my newsletter at theburningtruth.us. I will keep you apprised of what is happening with that newsletter. Totally free, theburningtruth.us, and just uh, sign up for the newsletter. You'll see the, the sign-up forms that are there. All right, uh, what do we have here? A Los Angeles Times columnist has written that anti-vaxxers, um, that mocking anti-vaxxers' deaths is ghoulish, but it's necessary. Now, Josh, how long have I been talking about making fun of people who are vaccinated who die from COVID? Because I, first, I think it's I think it's inappropriate to make fun of anybody who dies from COVID. Uh, it it shouldn't be where your brain goes to naturally. People people died. Uh, whether those are people who chose to make a decision that put them at greater risk, or whether those people just happen to succumb to the virus because the things that they did to protect themselves were ineffective, doesn't really matter. Somebody died. We shouldn't be making fun of it. However. Since it has become a very popular thing to make fun of people who didn't get vaccinated, who died, I just throw out the idea that, all right, why don't we just start making fun of people who did get vaccinated, who died, which for the record right now is the majority of people. Let's just let's just throw that. Out. You know what? Since we have the CDC admitting that over 75 percent of covid deaths are people who had at least four comorbidities. Can we make fun of the comorbidities that those people had if they were preventable? Like, I don't know, obesity? Can we just, can we mock, the, Josh, are we allowed to fat shame people who died from COVID? No, we're not allowed to do that, right? Not allowed to do that. Very interesting that we're not allowed to do that. Yeah, Los Angeles Times, uh, mocking anti-vaxxers deaths is ghoulish, yes, but necessary. Yeah. 
I, I have mocked a couple of people. Uh, there's been a couple of doctors that have mocked people who didn't get the vaccine and advocated not treating people who are unvaccinated, who then died from COVID. <laughs> we get to make fun of them now that they died from COVID. And again, it's not because I actually think it's funny that they died from COVID. It's not. Somebody died. I'm proving a point. If you think it is okay to mock somebody who is unvaccinated, who dies from COVID, then surely it must be just as okay, maybe even more okay, to mock somebody who is double, triple, quadruple vaxxed who died from COVID. Especially since the people who are dying from COVID right now are people who are vaccinated. The people who have COVID right now are the people who are vaccinated. In fact, that's the overwhelming majority of them. There is no pandemic of the unvaccinated. That doesn't exist. You know what the latest effort is here? Yesterday we told you about this ludicrous Delta Cron, right? Because now they're saying, oh, there's a hybrid Delta Omicron variant of COVID out there because Omicron, everybody knows that Omicron is not dangerous anymore. Uh, So now they have to bring back Delta because Delta scares people. Even though Delta was less deadly than the original uh, variants of the virus, it was just it was just more virulent. So it spread and more people became infected uh, as law of averages. But the death rate has continued to decline from the very beginning of the pandemic. And that is important that everybody understand that. So now we're at a point where they are writing articles. OK, and I've ran into a, a couple of different articles that are kind of saying this. Uh, Deseret News is why natural immunity doesn't stop the Omicron variant, except it does. And so I started looking, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Let's see if we got a media pattern here. And sure enough, there is a, a tiny little lab result. It's not even a full-fledged peer-reviewed study, tiny little lab result that seems to suggest, seems to suggest in the initial findings that Omicron is more likely to break through natural immunity than previous versions. Not likely, just more likely than the previous variants. And the previous variants broke through natural immunity less than 1% of the time. So I went through and I was looking at this this study, which came out of South Africa, by the way. And so I'm I'm looking at it and I'm going, okay, this is a very small study. It's not a very robust study. It's not peer-reviewed. It's not a clinical trial at this point in time. And all it seems to show is that Omicron of the variants of COVID that we have is more likely to break through natural immunity. All right. I'm Yeah, it makes sense. It's... Each new variant is going to be more infectious. That's kind of the point. All right. So, yeah, we get that. Fair enough. I'm willing to admit that. But I'm reading these articles. Now, first of all, this article in the Deseret News, uh, it cites one specific doctor's an emergency medicine physician in Houston. In this article, there is zero scientific evidence presented. It is purely the opinion of this one doctor in Houston. There's no actual evidence. Now, I have gone over several studies, have I ever have a nut, Josh, several studies about Omicron, which shows natural immunity still works very well against Omicron, far better than the vaccines do. Now, this is why when you start looking at other countries who have now started to, to uh, pull this data together, in Germany, 98% of the COVID infections are fully vaccinated people. 98%. Hey, Josh, does that mean that most of the people getting COVID are people who are vaccinated or people who have natural immunity if, if 98% are vaccinated? Yeah, that, that would mean that the vaccinated ones are the ones susceptible. So, what, only, only 2% are unvaxxed? And of the 2% that are unvaxxed, we don't know how many of them have natural immunity versus just 
not having any contact with COVID at all. And then you go to, uh, I think it's Belgium. It might be Bulgaria. I think it's Belgium where it's like 90%. Okay. Then you've got the other research which shows if you are fully vaccinated, okay, if you're fully vaccinated, you are 4.5 times more likely to catch Omicron than an unvaccinated individual. Now, again, there's here's the data. With the unvaccinated number, are we talking about people with natural immunity? Are we talking about people who have never had COVID and aren't vaccinated? Because they're lumping them in together to make the unvaccinated number bigger. So what percentage happens to be people who have natural immunity? You get it? But this is the latest scare tactic. People realize that Omicron is not dangerous. Thank God. So what they have to do is they have to concoct ways to scare you again, because that's what this is all about, keeping you in a perpetual state of anxiety and fear. They can do that. They can keep you controlled. So Omicron, far less deadly. What is it? Was it there? 99%, I believe, reduction in death from the Delta variant? We went over that yesterday, right, Josh? Was it 99%? 99% reduction in death with Omicron versus the Delta variant. And the Delta variant caused less death than the previous variants per capita, okay? But it infected more people because it was much more infectious. So you're starting to get where we're at. So they're starting to write these articles. Oh, no, 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 natural immunity isn't an argument anymore because Omicron will break through your natural immunity. No, that's not what the research shows at all. Omicron is breaking through the vaccines. Omicron is not breaking through the natural immunity in the way that they're perpetuating it. There is a very small lab result that says it's more likely to break through natural immunity than the Delta variant or previous variants, but not likely, not certainly, and not in any large numbers, which is why we don't have any data anywhere in the world showing a large number of naturally immune people catching Omicron. And maybe, perhaps, that's because they think that upwards of 90% of Americans will never even know that they had Omicron because they won't develop any symptoms because that's how mild it is. Another bit of information that came out yesterday, University of Washington, okay? University of Washington, just in case there's somebody out there who's watching this on the live stream at rumble.com slash Casey, the host, or listening to it, getting in their car, and they're going, where are you getting this from? You're getting this from blogs or whatever. University of Washington published a study where they actually believe that uh, the seasonal flu will end up being more deadly than Omicron. Now, this is important stuff. But again, this is, this is the narrative now. So uh, just so you're aware, the, the marching orders for the media are that we're going to go out there and we're going to tell everybody that the Omicron variant breaks through natural immunity with ease, and we're not going to provide any actual concrete research in our articles to do that. So people who woke up and read the Deseret News, they got an article here from Herb Scribner, and Herb Scribner is out there saying that natural immunity doesn't stop the Omicron variant, and in the article provides absolutely no scientific data whatsoever to make that case. I had to go looking for it. And I did find a very small, tiny little lab study, which isn't peer-reviewed, isn't a, uh, isn't a, 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 a good um, study at all, but you know, it's an initial result, which is enough for, for them to actually start pushing forward with a real study, which suggests, potentially, we don't know yet, potentially, Omicron 
has a better chance of breaking through natural immunity than previous variants, which you would expect with a more infectious version of the virus. But again, it's less deadly. So friendly reminder, the reason to get the vaccines, there is one reason and one reason only to get the vaccines, to prevent death. Right, Josh? It's the only reason. Because we know that the vaccines do not prevent spread. So you're not getting the vaccine to prevent the spread of COVID. If you get the vaccine, you'll still get COVID. If you get the vaccine, you'll still spread COVID. That's not a reason to get the vaccines anymore. The reason to get the vaccine is so you do not die. That's it. But Omicron doesn't kill anybody. So now you've got to make a decision here. They're trying to scare you into getting vaccinated by saying Omicron breaks through natural immunity. Let's say for the sake of argument that it does. It still doesn't kill anybody. Again, thank God. So what's the point of writing these fear-mongering articles scaring people with no actual scientific research in them? Hmm. That's a great question. Now we run into this. Ready? You've heard me talk about T-cell protection against COVID. In fact, this came up on Friday. Somebody called up and uh, was, was saying that they cannot catch COVID. And, 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 you know, for the record, I've told everybody, uh, with the exception of those of you who just have this natural immunity, which is built up in your T-cells, you're going to probably get COVID. Hopefully you'll get the Omicron variant or a lighter variant in the future, and you won't actually have any serious uh, adverse reactions to it. Because I know that some people are still going to the hospital and some people are still having serious reactions. I get, I get messages from people on a regular basis. Got one again today. Got one yesterday. I, and I'm praying for all of them to have a full recovery. But luckily, as Omicron is now almost 95% of all new infections in the United States, it is taking over and less and less Delta infections are happening. And Omicron is just not killing people. And that is exactly what we want. Now, there are uh, exceptions to that rule, but we're talking in mass. Omicron doesn't kill people. Well, now we're finding out that the T-cell protection that might be providing some people with natural immunity against variants of, the, of COVID, including Omicron, in particular Omicron, if you've ever had the common cold. True story. This is a re- uh, research study that just came out of, uh, out of England, and I believe that this is uh, the Imperial College. Yeah, Imperial College of London. Imperial College of London is also the place that released the study that caused all of the global lockdowns, and they retracted that study after Oxford was able to highlight that the study was wrong. And they issued an apology for it, but governments didn't didn't, uh, acquiesce. So the Imperial College of London has just released a study, common cold T-cells also protect against COVID. So when somebody says it is the the Omicold, they're not lying. More coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Now, we went over, was it Friday or Thursday that I went over the uh, the local hospital numbers? Josh, do you remember what day it was that I went over it? Because they were telling everybody, maybe it was Wednesday, because it might have been after I, the day after I got back. Because we signed off, and I look up on the TV, and we've got them talking about, yeah, so it was Wednesday that I went over it, right? So it'll be in the daily show prep for Wednesday of last week. But what did we do? We, we got off of the show, we look up, and what do we see? Uh, we see local health official talking about Elkhart County. And in Elkhart County, Indiana, they were saying that the massive amount of COVID deaths was overwhelming hospital workers in Elkhart County. And I think it was 
Tuesday last week, Beacon Health put out that they had people crashing and, and dying in the emergency room from COVID, in the ICU, I should say, from COVID. And therefore, they weren't going to be performing open heart surgery, heart valve replacement surgery, and they weren't going to be removing cancerous tumors. So anybody who needed those procedures, those life-saving procedures, you were on your own. Beacon wasn't going to do that. Now, again, I'm not trying to trash the medical industry and the people who work in the medical industry, because I have no doubt that the people who are still on duty are probably overworked at these facilities because hundreds of people got fired. And so all I did was pull up, and, and Josh is my neutral witness here, can verify it. All I did was pull up the COVID dashboard that was from the state of Indiana, which has the St. Joseph County and the Elkhart County data. And that data was a lot better than it has been throughout most of the pandemic, with less people in the ICU, less people hospitalized, less people dying. And my question was very simple. Okay, if this is the case, that we have less people with COVID, less, or I should hospitalized with COVID, less people hospitalized with COVID, less people in the ICU with COVID, less people dying from COVID in these two counties here in Michigan. If we have that, why is it that it is overwhelming the system? And there is only one answer to that, especially when I think it was 17% of the ICU beds were available at the time. When it had been three to five percent throughout most of the pandemic. And those are staffed beds. Those aren't the scaled beds, those are the staff beds. My question was, why is it that that is now overwhelming the system? The answer is you fired everybody. And I have this article here that I'm gonna put in the daily show prep for everybody. I don't have a lot of time, so I can't really go over it, but the federal government spent a hundred billion dollars. Now, the whole point of the hundred billion dollars is to get extra hospital beds. And do we have more hospital beds because of that hundred billion dollars, Josh? Any idea? We actually have less. Why do we have less hospital beds after the federal government invested $100 billion in stimulus money to get more hospital beds? The answer is very simple. You fired thousands of people, doctors, nurses, hospital staff, and now you have fewer beds available, not because hospitals are over capacity, but because they don't have the staff to man those beds, which is why they're hiring back COVID-positive nurses now. When they had fired nurses who refused the vaccine before. MNC News Time is 531. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Josh, I got a question for you. Because I really don't want you to get your work done. I got a question for you. <clears throat> We spent $1.9 trillion on a stimulus. We were told by Joe Biden that that $1.9 trillion stimulus would create 4 million jobs. So how many jobs has the $1.9 trillion stimulus created? Zero. You say zero? I'm gonna be I, I think Josh has been with us long enough. <laughs> You remember when young, naive Josh would be like, I don't know, like maybe a million. <laughs> nope. Zero. Correct answer. Zero jobs. And did we or did we not say, hey, 
federal stimulus dollars don't create jobs. We've tried this before. It didn't work under Obama. It's not going to work under Biden because it never, ever works. Exactly. So latest report here. The Democrats promised that $1.9 trillion stimulus would create 4 million jobs. We ended up with fewer jobs than if we had spent nothing at all. When Biden and Democrat allies passed the $1.9 plus trillion American rescue plan in March of 2021, they promised it would create millions of jobs. Roughly nine months later, we now have fewer jobs than if we didn't pass the stimulus legislation at all. At least that's the conclusion reached by a new analysis from the American Enterprise Institute. Now, for the the record, American Enterprise Institute does lean right, but they back their uh, findings up with data. Uh, Senior fellow Matt Whitinger ran the numbers and checked in to see how the Biden administration's promises of age. The White House projected that their massive spending legislation, the economy would add 10.25 million jobs in 2021. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office projected that without the plan, the economy would create four, uh, excuse me, 6.25 million jobs, a number that Biden called dismal. So Congressional Budget Office says if we don't pass the the uh, the American Rescue Plan, we'll create 6.25 million jobs just organically because we're American. We, we, we tend to do that. Biden said that wasn't good enough. They had to pass the American Rescue Plan because it would create 10.25 million jobs. And the reality is. The economy created 6.1 million jobs in 2021, which is less than what the CBO actually projected we would do without the stimulus plan. Uh, so not only did the 4 million jobs promised by Biden, Pelosi, and others not happen, we actually have less jobs on the books than was projected to happen organically. In other words, it was just another federal stimulus doing what federal stimuluses do, not doing anything. Uh, for you younglings out there who don't really understand this concept, Google shovel-ready jobs. We got more coming up. Newstock 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. You know, there was a point in time, Josh, where my football knowledge was sought after and coveted in this building. But because everybody knows I don't really pay attention to sports all that much anymore over the past couple of years, suddenly I am looked down upon when I make my my betting predictions. But I follow college football a lot more than I do the NFL now. And did I or did I not tell everybody that Georgia had Bama's number? I sure did, didn't I? And, and I had a literal eye roll at me yesterday when I said that on somebody who bet on Alabama. And we didn't see them in the office today. Wonder why that is. Bill O'Reilly's up next. You have a good night. We'll see you tomorrow.